Hello, Phil. Hello. We've started recording now. Did it tell you that it was being recorded? Did you get that message? Yeah, that was weird. What's that about? It's a new thing. It's a new thing on Zoom, which uh, me and uh, my colleague, Luke, who I do the housewives uh, thing with, we noticed it last week. So you'll now get this uh, polite message. Oh, I like your fingernail. Oh, thumbnail. What colour is that? Um, it's like a, like a baby blue. Baby I need to actually fix them. Um, no, right. Okay. So actually, it's quite amusing you talk about this because uh, painting your nails. I Right. So when lockdown started, I decided I was going to be a drag queen, which has gone nowhere. <laughs> and I've now ended up, I've got a three drawers of makeup. I've got um, a pair of silicone breasts, um, mm -hmm. a really bad lace front, which now looks like... I feel like, I, I feel like when, when drag queens start out, there's always like the bad wig era. I think that's where you're about to start. Well, I, think that, I think that has stayed the same. And um, I started painting my nails and I haven't painted my nails for ages. And I went, my friend yesterday, he was like, oh my God, bring me some nail polish for me because he's painted his nails. Mm -hmm. and he'd done a nice turquoise. And he was like, oh my God, I look like I've got hands like a lady. I was like, you really don't have hands like a lady. It looks like a boy's hand with uh, turquoise nails. Like you're making me want to get mine out. I have like the most beautiful blue one. Show me, show me, show me. Hold on, let me get it. For the people at home, we're gonna we're just gonna carry on doing things that you just have to imagine, just because I thought that'd be really entertaining. <laughs> I thought that'd be a really entertaining show. Um, okay, 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 if you Google it so yeah. that you know what we're talking about it's yeah. avon nailwear pro and it is called arctic waters so you can actually see what we're talking about it's this yeah. one. Oh, that is lovely yeah it looks brilliant is that the same color as my eyes my eyes don't look very blue today in this light it's, right. it's a little bit it's it's like a bit it's like a brighter part of your t-shirt oh well i kept it on for the your sake <laughs> So um, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I've had a little break um, and I'm still in season one. So, and I've wanted you actually, I have to thank you because you have, I've talked to you about me doing this. For You've a been talking to me about this podcast for, <laughs> I think two years, I believe, if not longer. And I've been on your case to start it. And then yes. randomly, like it was just, oh, it's happening now. It's like, oh shit. It's actually happening. Yeah, that, that's true. And thank you. For, yeah. And thank you very much for uh, being a voice of uh, positivity and telling me to get off my fucking arse and doing it. And I'm. And it's been brilliant since I started doing it. The people that I've been able to speak to have been so fortunate. And deliberately, I always, you are part of this, of the fabric of this because of the people mm -hmm that sometimes I've not, I might not know completely well, but the people I, I noticed there's a pattern, if I say so myself, the people that I've interviewed so far, um, I'm trying to think how to say this. In my opinion, they've got a great hustle. They've got a really strong identity of who they are. They stand for mm -hmm. something. And to be honest, the, you, you've got you've got a lovely soul and just the way that you are and the way that you treat people it's just so nice and I'm a really I'm a really great judge of character when it comes to everything apart from my own choices so that's fine <laughs> so you. it's a Sunday afternoon and you went out last night didn't you no I went out on Friday um I'm, I'm assuming you've seen the video <laughs> 
well, necking a bottle of gin and then having to correct it and then telling everyone it was pink gin just to like... No, no, think... um, it was... No, it's just, I think basically... Okay, so the video that I'm talking about, I jumped on the wall and then I, I squatted down and then I pulled a, <laughs> a bottle of gin out of my back pocket Ooh. and then I started drinking it and then I took a selfie. I don't know if I should send you this for promotion or something. I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've seen it. Um, and where were you? Are you enjoying the lockdown lifting? Are you feeling a bit more human? The, the funniest part is that that was on the way to the bar and I was already complete. I was already done like before we got there. I apparently almost got kicked out. I blacked out. I don't remember a lot of what happened. And like when the next morning, I was just like, I think I just missed having fun. I think like like the during the pandemic, it's like we it keeps us away from friends, some certain family members. Yeah. And then we just don't do much, or we're going for walks, or we're like not like it, we're eating outside, or you know. And it was just like I just I guess I know things have been like lightning since what the since April twelfth. But for me, it was just like, that was the first time I've had fun in a long time, like proper fun and just got fucked up drunk, I guess. No, and that, yeah, I get what you mean because what I've really noticed is all of the stuff that was in my head and generally that has been, say, sat at home, watching the news, social media, um, and then just physically going and doing it. And then... Mm -hmm the amount of um, maybe anxieties that I have when I'm in the, in the throw or the mix of it is I kind of forget it all, but I don't like being sat down and getting drunk. So at the moment, this is a kind of a, because I'm not very good. I'm too hyper. And if I'm drunk still, it's not a good look. So I haven't really peaked yet. Yeah. But I'm I'm kind of happy because I've I've like gotten it out of the way before we like we come fully out of lockdown. Well, do you know what I mean? We, should we be negative? Do we do we think it's going to happen? I'm not sure because we're currently in a third wave, and it's like, does it make sense to completely lift all restrictions in a third wave? Does I don't know if that's wise. But then again, I mean, it's not like I'm a public health professional or anything, you know. No, and to be honest. <clears throat> look at it last year and if i know london like anywhere else you people are getting together whether it's in a park or in a house now or whatever the the behavior just looks different like birmingham has been going wild like mm. uh, especially you know people are in the parks are staying all night so i i don't know what can we help for i saw that i don't know if you saw um, a drag queen hosted a party in new york the other week and no, but she, the tickets and everything, and New York, the New York state allowed the event to be ticketed, proof of vaccine. Um, so you could only buy a ticket with proof of vaccine and everyone was maskless. The, the event was completely tailored to vaccinated mm. negative people. Um, and people haven't really kicked off about that. What annoys me about this country is if somewhere like, I'm trying to think of a reputable club night. This is scandalous. Okay, well, say they go hi guys we're gonna do that then unfortunately i just get the feeling that there's going to be some noise with an anti-mask thing going screaming outside going this is against our civil liberties when it's like well a business just making a business yeah 
that's true. I think that that actually makes sense. I mean, I I, I didn't hear about that party, but that that party seems like one of the most. Um, I don't know. It seems like a safe thing to do. It seems like everyone's getting tested. Um, you know, everyone has proof of their vaccine. It's like it's something. And it's whereas now, I feel yeah. like we're. I don't know. I feel like we're in this weird space where it's like we're coming out of lockdown, but then I mean, under twenty fives are being offered the the vaccine next week, I believe, which is great, but under 25 is the ones that are going to be out and about the most considering they're like the youngest and healthiest and i guess probably possibly the most social bastards you know? <laughs> but do you know what i mean like so <laughs> I, I don't know i feel like in on top of that with the um with the the rates going up during this third wave who knows who knows what's gonna happen next Okay, well, I'm hope we'll hope we're hopeful. Like, I don't yeah. know. I've I will see. It's my birthday, literally the Friday before it's meant to reopen. So I'm not but hurt either. Like, so you should be. I would be. Mm, no, I was clever. I've pushed my birthday to the weekend of October. I said, Wait, I said, is your birthday on, on the twenty fifth? I'm not. No, I'm not. I can't. I don't think I should say my actual birth date, should I? Because I'm so famous now. Like. <laughs> <laughs> people will take my information and clone me it's june uh, june it's june okay i'm trying to work out if you're a gemini middle of the, i am a gemini this is gemini season i'm in power yeah okay what I, are I you I'm, I'm aries did you know aries everybody is the most sexual sign of the zodiac and allegedly the best in bed on par with a scorpio but Scorpios are evil. <laughs> so, um, I, I, no comment. <laughs> oh, scandal. So you want to? I have friends that are Scorpios, so I don't want to say anything. Okay, it's an age-old thing, though. Look, Scorpios. If you're listening, do not take offense. If they, uh, if they know themselves as a Scorpio, they will know a Gemini is their idea of, and it's not opposite sex. It's when they're the same sex. Mm. because a Gemini's airy floatiness kind of all over the place can really irritate a Scorpio. Yeah. Really, 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 really irritate it. So it's, uh, it's a common thing. But also Scorpios are really manipulative and can be really evil if you cross them. So um, these, are, these are not the views of my own. <laughs> these are not the views of Phil. Phil. Basically, Gemini's need someone that can forgive them and cancers and scorpio find it really hard to forgive mm. so and a gemini is so uh like, ooh, ooh, <laughs> like uh, and changes their minds it can be really scatty and it can feel sometimes you're a, everyone says they're two-faced we're not i think I, I don't okay think. i i have something to say about this um so ooh. my sister's a gemini yeah and she gave she gave birth to a gemini yeah um, and I don't think Gemini's are two-faced. I think that's a misconception. I think what it is with, with um, Gemini's is that they have two sides. And I don't feel like, I don't, I don't think it's a two-faced thing. I think if you push a Gemini, the other side will come up. That's all it is. That's how I see it anyway. Yeah, I would go with that. I'm not, I'm, I'm not two-faced. Mm. Like, if, like I'm, I'm the opposite. If I, if someone You're said- You're actually very direct to me. Yeah, if someone said, <laughs> oh, were you saying, if someone said to me, did you say this to that person? I'd be like, yeah, I can say it to you too. Oh yeah, yep. I'm, t I'm talking about you, but I'm not keeping it a secret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is probably not a great thing. Oh, right, so there we go. That's the astrological section covered.
Rich, did um, you do that? Does, does everyone get that bit? No, no. We. It's just. I think it's just because it is Gemini season. And, oh, and also, while we're in June as well, Pride Month. Am I? I'm older than you. By slightly, about, slightly. I'm. I'm also older than I look. Oh, my dog. I don't know what my dog just did there. I think he just. I think he just claps. Is that enough? Um, are you? Well, I'm 80. Okay, right. I, I can't say the date. <laughs> Fucking hell. My, my national insurance number is... Um, no, I'm not going to ask you how old you are. Well, I'm 40 this year. Okay, so you are nine Actually, years older than me. Okay, older than I look. I don't old. look 31. Well, do I look 40? No. Exactly, babes. I actually thought you were like, I don't know, 36 ish. <laughs> End the show. Pause. Done. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with that. It's, um, I don't know, no responsibility and carefree attitude. That's really what mm. that comes down to. So, Pride Month, did you know that? I don't know how new a thing Pride Month is in the UK. We never used to have a Pride Month. We had Pride Season. Generally, Pride Season started. Birmingham Pride, because Birmingham Pride is always on the May Bank holiday. In May, yeah. And, yep. and then we end it. Um, we end it. Manchester. I think we end, yes, ours is back. Exactly, exactly. It's about like May to end of August, and then it's done. That's usually how it is. And just, but yeah. I think, I don't know. I feel like the lot, it's kind of like Black Friday. It was something we never did. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, it's become this annual thing that we pretend that has always been there when it hasn't. Yeah. We've assimilated so, yeah, to Pride, it. Pride, I get, I get Pride Month in general in the US because that's where um, the Stonewall riots were, and it's very different. Exactly. But how we do Pride in this country is very, is a lot more scattered. So it's very different. It's a different vibe. But I don't know. I feel like it's just one of those things. It's just one of those things that started off in the US and that we've adopted and are pretending like it's something we've always done. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with you there. And if anyone's like, no, no, it's good. I actually think it's the opposite because our prides are last longer. Our prides literally last the, the mm. nearly spring and all the way through the summer. So yeah. actually, um, yes, I guess pride, to me, pride month is a lot easier to consolidate for uh, work. Yeah. For advertising, marketing. Mm-hmm. What's your... And what's your opinion on pride branded stuff mixed with kind of corporations? I'm guilty. I've got a pair of pride Nike Air Max. (laughs) I didn't, but I like, they're not like overly like, they're not, they're like, and actually they're worth about 300 quid now on fucking Depop. Um, I've n- what what do you think? Do you think it do you take it um as are you bothered? Does it really bother you when you start seeing rainbows slapped on stuff? I think that to be honest, like I I I, I don't feel strongly about it. Mm-hmm. I think because I'm I'm just used to it. It's like every year, June June first starts, all of these organizations and corporations that generally don't tend to give a fuck about queer people yeah. pretend that they do for a month yeah. including the conservative government but i'm not getting i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go down that i'm not gonna go into that but like yeah. how can they possibly 
how can they possibly be the ones to um, start Section 28 and then have the audacity to say, oh, everyone deserves, you know, actually, no, I'm doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. How, okay, how I, I'll try and wrap this up. How I feel is I'm used to it. Yeah. But the way, and I don't agree with a lot of these organizations, especially like when it becomes like, it's like it's the end of June and then it's July and they change all their logos, they change everything back and then you just never hear yeah. about anything. That's yeah. what irritates me. It's like, why doesn't, it's, it's kind of similar to um, the Black Lives Matter movement, in my opinion, in the sense yeah. of let's keep it going. Mm-hmm. Like all this energy we have for June, let's keep that going all year round. All the energy we had last year for the Black Lives Matter movement, where where is that now? Why, why let's keep that energy? That's that's kind of my thing. But I don't feel overly passionately about it because it's gonna happen every June. Yeah. And at the end of the day, there's so many other issues in the world and so many other issues that affect queer people mm. that it's like on the grand scheme of things, like a rainbow like sandwich in MS is not that deep. I know, like. Look, I think it. I think it's. I think it's good. I. But from what for me and you having that conversation, actually, and I actually, because I'm ancient, and I remember the the way that the prides run. I actually feel like before we adopted this notion, we actually had more of a length of time where we were celebrating prides, and I mm. do feel like you say. I feel like we've assimilated this really basic. Okay. In the US, assigning a month to a movement, um, a minority or something they want to hold a thing to, Mm. like you say, you keep the momentum going. I think what you've got a danger of is, is like you say, it's a 30, 31 day window. You know, all of the media will be like, oh, today we're going to highlight people of, "Eh, eh," and they do it, which is great. But do those people need to be specifically be invited on because it is the month of June, it is the month of March, November, whatever it is that month? Or should mm-hmm. really your, your catalogue of individuals and awareness and who you want to interview or who you are bringing to the forefront or whatever people are campaigning for is mm-hmm. 365 days a year? Exactly. And the, the other thing is that, like, besides the rainbow... What are you actually doing for us? Yeah, I come. That's from, my. That's yeah. my. I think if I do have anything to say on it, that's my biggest issue. Is that what? Are, what else is? I mean, because you can slap a rainbow on anything, but like, what do? You, what are you doing for queer people? How are you making our lives easier, safer? Um, you know, how how are you reducing stigma? How are you making um, places for us to work? Like, what what are you doing in your organization besides putting on the rainbow? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I come from a corporate background, you know. I worked for some pretty big corporate places. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be as easy as, and this is, so, so for example, if you work in a really big corporation and you're in a certain department, you'll find that diversity, respect um, is easier to maybe obtain. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, then if you go down to different environmental areas, and it's not the same, but say the way that people act in certain departments may not guarantee that you will have the same diversity, say, within the facilities department or mm-hmm. in the warehouses, because exactly. at the end of the day, you've got different 
you have, no matter what you say, you've got different cogs, which all operate one machine. Mm-hmm. And you could be like, we are diverse, 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 diverse. But again, that's something I feel that these corporations sometimes miss out. So yeah, uh, again, like I never post on LinkedIn and I, I kind of just posted out there. But I did, you know, I, I kind of said, look, I'm a proud gay man, always fucking have been. Um, mm-hmm. And I just recognize now that within my privilege, I, and the privilege and with my own, I guess my own personality, that I, I am not unlikely, I am very lucky that I am not a victim of homophobia. And to me, if mm-hmm. I am, I will either deck them or tell them to get fucked. I know how to kind of deal with that. Yeah. Um, but I realize that the power I have in that is that I have to think about others that are still not as in a more privileged kind of place as me. Yeah. So say, yeah. So say in the workplace, I identified, you know, that say if someone is from say the trans community or whatever, I am mindful. I will listen to how people may talk about that person, the language, you know, I'm, my ears prick up very much. So <laughs> I will, I I, yeah, I will cl- I'll, and I'll clock it. And I'll clock it, but I'll clock that. But I clock things away. Anyway, we, we, we're digressing, but I think that's just interesting to hear. I did look how much that Lego set was, though, the other day. Oh yeah, um, that, that that yeah. I, I didn't even, to be honest. I heard it was coming out, but I just I just didn't care. Thank like you. I like, I think when whenever it's like around Pride, and then it's like oh, there's this brand new thing, and it's like okay, I don't care because by July we're not going to be talking about this. Mm. So well, then, I, I didn't look into it. Yeah, well then, you know, yeah. So, okay, to summarise, I feel like Pride Month is good for corporations, but in the UK, mm-hmm. I think we're doing ourselves a disservice because we actually celebrate Prides a lot longer through this country. In fact, actually, I think it might be doing us some damage that we consolidate it over here to a month when we have Prides running a lot longer. We have... Yeah. The- yeah, these events. Wow, mind blown. Right. So, um, tell you what, uh, we'll come back right after this break. Um, okay, and we're back. I can't get over that fucking voice that's now telling me that, that we're, it's been recorded. Okay, so we're back. So, Phil. Um, you have done so many other podcasts before. I would love to feel like I'm the trailblazer here, but I'm not. I am the, um, I'm not going to say sloppy seconds. What, what are we on now? How many podcasts have you done? Oh, God. He's very, very I don't know. I don't know. Um, basically, I've done a lot since 2018. I think that's kind of when I, uh, 2018 was kind of the year where I, I did a lot. I like a lot, but I've done a lot since, and um, all from different parts of, on different topics, and from all different parts of the work that I do. Well, why don't you tell everybody about the work? To be fair, anyone that knows Phil knows the work that he does. Um, <laughs> but to anybody that doesn't, uh, just explain a little bit about what you do in the organisation you work for. Sure. So I, I work for an organisation called the Love Tank. And um, I mostly do, uh, we have a project called Prepster. So Prepster started in 2015 and it was originally created to um, educate and agitate for PrEP in England and in the, in the world really. 
So um, now we have PrEP, I uh, should actually explain what PrEP is. Um, PrEP is a drug you take before and after sex that stops you from getting HIV. Um, it was approved in America in 2012. Um, we didn't get here until 2017 on a very limited trial. Um, but now as, um, um, as of last year, it's available on the NHS. Right. Um, all you have to do is book with your local sexual clinic and you'll be able to get onto it. Um, we have a bunch of stuff on our website around um, around um, all different things, sexual health, but um, a lot of it around PrEP and a lot of information around PrEP. And our website is prepster.info. Um, I guess my job is mostly around making sure that a lot of that information reaches queer men of color because a lot of queer men of color tend to not take PrEP and then end up getting HIV. Right. At the moment, we're seeing a lot of young men, which is really interesting. A lot of young men, statistically, it's younger guys that are getting HIV at the moment. Yeah. And they're also not taking PrEP. But I think the generation after mine, because I'm a millennial, Gen Z, I think they didn't grow up with the same fear and anxiety around getting HIV. And they had a lot more exposure to uh, queerness than I did. So I think they're just a lot more relaxed and chilled about who they are and having sex. But they don't have the same knowledge of their history or their health I guess yeah I guess okay so there, there could be a lot of facts in there um I'll I will I'll respond back to you about what my thoughts are on that from my own personal experience mm-hmm. um so prep became right so prep is now available in the UK mm-hmm. so I think we need to make that really really clear to people out there um I have friends who are my age mm-hmm. and I know that even still now have not have not bothered to go and pick up a bottle or even do it. I think there is an element of. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's so many facets of it. I'm trying to think how to explain it. I think there's, 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 so, there's, there's so many different reasons. It is interesting. I think. Um, for some people, it's kind of like, I think they don't know enough about it. Right. And that they may think that it's too, too good to be true, so then they won't do it. But for other people, it's, um, yeah, I think there's so much like negative kind of, I don't know, there's a lot of stigma and discrimination attached to, to PrEP. Right. As in, oh, if you're on PrEP, then that means you're just going to basically have condomless sex with a million people and yes. that you're never going to test or you're never going to take care of yourself. But the, the hilarious thing about that is that if you're on PrEP, then you'd get tested regularly so that you can get more PrEP. Right. And actually, STI rates frequently, at the moment of the pandemic or prior to the pandemic, we had more people testing than ever. Yeah. So people are testing more than ever. So we're getting more STIs, but we're catching them and treating them a lot faster. So PrEP actually works out with reducing STIs rather than increasing them overall. Okay, so let's just talk about some, maybe some worries people have. Side effects. Are, yes. are there particularly any side effects to PrEP? Um, most of the side effects are quite minimal, actually. So I think a lot of people freak out about um, um, what, I think that's also probably something that limits people is not knowing what the side effects are or having a misconception of what the side effects are. 
typically um once you start taking prep maybe in the first two days you may have some nausea or you may have some stomach problems yeah but it's because it is a strong drug but after a day or two most of the time you're fine yeah. um it affects people in different ways so but the, the most common one would be like stomach issues and there are ways to avoid it so for example if you take it before you go to bed by the time you wake up you feel fine it doesn't affect you and it's in your system for example yeah. there, there are ways around it um there is um there's uh like i think it's a 0.01 percent reduction in bone density but you'd only ever notice that if you was to go for a bone scan and how often do people go for bone scans in their lifetime um so there's that <laughs> um and then also um it can be it can be quite hard on the kidneys if you already have pre-existing kidney issues yeah but your, your kidneys are monitored um on a regular basis when uh when you go in for your checkups so it's it's not it's not even a big deal you get a blood test to test your kidneys so uh what well, how much prep do you get given do you get given a month's worth or is it a three month uh um it's i think it depends from clinic to clinic um okay. it's usually typically three but because of the pandemic they'll sometimes give you six right and then they'll ask you to possibly test online um, for the the after three months right. and then come back three months after that so that, that's if it's six months but um, typically every three months and then every three months you'll get more prep okay so also um, are you aware at the moment because I think sometimes some people have said I, I don't know what the situation is now but I know for well I don't know if, I knew uh, uh, maybe about a year ago or just before the pandemic, uh, I was on holiday with my friend and he is living, he lives in Manchester and mm -hmm. we were talking about him going on prep and he at the time was like, oh, the, the waiting list is so long. There's such a demand. Are we still, are cities in here still in that situation it, or with the new, the way things have progressed now, is that actually not really the case? Are you able to? There's, there's a lot of confusion around this. I think, okay. um, Basically, because initially uh, we got prep in England, not so much the UK, because other parts of the UK had it, but England was the only was the only country in the UK that didn't, which didn't make right. sense to me. Anyway, so um, like because it started off as a trial, I think that initially put a lot of people off as well. And um, it was a trial not to see if prep works, because we've got studies that prove that prep works. That we've had that for some time how many people would take it and how they would take it rather than just putting it on the service and it was also actually i don't know that's scandalous i'm not going to say that um <laughs> i think it was a way in which to prolong not actually getting prep on the nhs right so yeah. it was a, a three-year it was a three-year trial to see who was going to take it and how and it just it didn't really i, I just felt like it wasn't it wasn't feasible it started off um apply only for uh, ten thousand people yeah. only um uh, i think the majority of the places in london went like that because a lot of um queer men especially were switched on and like knew about it in the in the build-up um, so the, the spaces <laughs> went straight away added yeah. another three thousand spaces those three thousand spaces went doubled the spaces and then um i think uh it came down to like i think a lot of those spaces got filled and then people were then in, on waiting lists and trying to get onto it. And, um, you know, it, it was just a struggle. And um, also the allocation of the places. So 
there were a lot of places set to parts in the country where people weren't adopting it, but mm. then they weren't moving that to other other clinics around the country. So things right, like right. that. Right. So um, I think the trial ended, I think, October 2020. And then we got the, the new service in which now it's available on the NHS. But um, right now, people still believe that there's this um, trial because it was a three-year trial. So it's just even delayed all, all of what we were doing in the first place. So if they would have just done this in 2017, we'd yeah. probably be in a different place four years later. But instead of that, they decided to start the trial. Yeah, and actually, it's interesting you mention that because I have been on the Discover Channel trial. Discovery Channel. Mm -hmm. I've been on the trial. <laughs> I, I, I've been on the Discovery Channel. I actually am. I've been on the trial. I still am on the trial. I'm still part of the Discover trial now. I've been on it for three years. You mean, um, are you on the Discovery trial? Yes. So I took yeah. off. I was taking two tablets. One was a placebo. Mm -hmm. One was new. I'm not on Trivada. I take the other one. I don't know what it is. But mm -hmm. uh, I used to have to go every three months. I predominantly started that in London. I used to go to Woolwich um, Hospital. I've always uh, been very adamant, um, careful with. I've always got myself tested. I wouldn't say I was particularly always very careful in between each test, but <laughs> I still knew what I, I knew I needed to get tested. And then I basically, yeah, I was even told by doctors at one point, yeah, if you went on this trial, you would um, be positive. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I used to take two tablets. Uh, one was a placebo, one was a real one. And then I think they found out which one they put me on. Uh, it was due to end, just like what Phil said. Um, and I now I, I've been, I've stayed on that trial from London and then coming back to Birmingham. Uh, again, like what you said, I've never had a bad reaction. I've been absolutely fine. I can only speak for myself. Again, you know, you yeah, um, I, I believe, I, I, I'm not sure. I think, I believe that Discovery is a lot better symptoms wise, I think. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I've never had anything. I used to take a large tablet and a little tablet. Now I take little tablets. So I don't mm. take Trivada. I take the new one, which apparently is, um, has, a, which they, started to develop about renal and oh, I can't no, I, I kind of switch off when I'm there like they just they jab <laughs> me they take about nine vials of blood but this is on the trial anyway so the trial was due to end and then they said to me look you need to go on to the uh you need to go to your local health your local um your local yeah. clinic uh which now is in Birmingham and then yes and so again I already know that Birmingham has got prep available for people uh, obviously within covid they're running a very restricted service mm -hmm. but even then my access to go and get the prep once i made a phone call at straight away at 8 a.m you have to do that shit no matter what it is trying to get a doctor's appointment anything get up mm -hmm. early to make the call and i was in and i was able to, and i was offered prep but then because of covid they've extended the trial now for another year so then i'm mm -hmm. still on the trial uh, okay. But they're taking less tests from me. They they they're not testing for every single um, thing now. But uh, so that's 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 good that we've cleared that up. So uh, do not listen to what other people say about maybe that there are waiting lists. Inform yourself. Find out yeah. for yourself. Don't and I've got a bit of a theory. What you're saying there about maybe. Um, people that are younger do you think that oh, okay i think how to word this i think i know what you're gonna say okay and if it is what i think you're gonna say 
Yeah. Then I agree. So but go I, okay, so my theory is, in my experience mm-hmm. of being a sexually active male, That's... because I've been because <laughs> I've been taking prep for that long. Mm-hmm. When I was on the apps, when I was being sexually active, I was on prep. I was the guy that was on prep, right? Mm-hmm. So if, a, if I'm going to hook up with someone and they're not taking it, the conversation would be, well, are you on it? Yes, I am. Or I would say I am. They might not be on it. They would feel more imp- compelled. Oh, I don't know. I don't know where to like that. Basically, we would then hook up knowing that I was taking prep, you know? Yeah. So unprotected sex would then happen on the proviso that the person would be like, well, okay, the guy I'm getting fucked by is, is on prep. So I'm good. Now, obviously, luckily enough, I'm not an arsehole. I was telling the truth. It's always been the case. So that situation is there. Now, then we move into the realms of maybe, say, chemsex, group sex, whatever. Mm-hmm. I could, I have, I have been involved and, or whatever, I've trod many a path. Now, if you're in a room, if you're hooking up and having that kind of situation, the sentence simply is at the time, oh yeah, I'm on prep. So if I say that, I'm telling the truth. Person, guy number, guy B, D, might just be saying it for the sake of it. The lads turn, the person's turned up, they're they're having sex and they're going on the proviso that everyone there is telling the truth. Mm -hmm. So do you think that maybe the that these sometimes guys have just relied on the fact that others are telling that they are on prep so that means they have they are like oh cool well i'm gonna get four loads in me today and they're all or preps i'm good because they've told me they are okay so it was what i thought it was i mean i wasn't expecting the chemsex stuff but yeah I, i i know what you mean but the thing the interesting thing is that like i don't even inquire about it anymore like, so I, I'm, I have a point, which is, I, I I mean, if someone is on prep or not on prep, I know that I'm taking care of myself and I'm taking care of whoever I have sex with. Yeah. So I don't necessarily inquire because I'm not at risk and whoever I have sex with is not at risk. But what I, I tend to ask is, um, when was the last time you got tested? Yeah. And usually, every, I, almost every time, it's always last week, or last month, like every single time, like you only get those two responses. You don't yeah. ever get no. Do you know what I mean? Um, and you like so. I I agree. I think to some extent, I think that there is like, especially with younger guys, is that they know that. I mean, some some younger guys that have an awareness of prep know that there are there is a certain amount of guys on prep, particularly if I think in the context of London where I am. Yeah. Um, prep is quite popular here. In, in a similar way to how it was in New York. And I remember um, when I first like, got involved in, um, in kind of HIV activism and um, with the work that I do, I was like, I want London to be like New York. I want it to be like so socially acceptable to be on PrEP in the way that it is in New York. Because in New York, it's kind of in, uh, for like overall, it's like almost unheard of to use condoms. It's really weird. Right. It's really, really weird. Yeah, because um, because so many people on prep, and because they've had prep for so long, that it's more acceptable. It's more, I guess, all that stuff around slut shaming is gone. But yeah, I, I definitely think that there are some young guys that know all about prep and that just think I'm I'm fine. 
And like, I even had a friend of mine that I literally had to force to get onto prep because he was, he's, he's black, he's 22 years old um, and he was having condomless sex. Um, he was testing, but he wasn't taking prep. And it was just like, you're, you're just putting yourself at risk for no reason. And then he kept, and like, we had a conversation about it because he's going to, I'm going to actually, we're going to do an event together talking about prep. And um, he was saying like, he never saw it as an issue. He said like, when, by the time he came out, he knew that like, he knew that if people are living with HIV, that um, if they're on effective HIV medication, then um, they can't pass the virus on. That was one thing. And he, the second thing he said that, he said that he thought that having HIV would be a bit of a ball ache but it wouldn't be the end of the world. Right, okay. So I think it's just, there's, there's just a different narrative to how really young guys see HIV to how um, older guys do. Because we either, you know, lived through the kind of the, the AIDS epidemic yeah. or we grew up just, just like kind of, well, I was six when I guess HIV medication came about, but I was always very aware of, of HIV and AIDS. I don't know if that had something to do with me being West African. I don't know if that had something to do with, I don't know where that came from though, because other than that, I didn't really have any direct connection to HIV and AIDS. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that, 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 that is, I guess London it is more, uh, what's the word? That's one of the things I sometimes, sometimes I worry about maybe sometimes in other cities and stuff like I hate the word regional but you know coming out of London like sometimes uh, uh there's still a lot of uh, stigma about slut shaming or sometimes just delusional you know sometimes I worry about pe- people who are seeking uh they're seeking hooking up but they while they way of while they are hooking up or listening to their cock or ass or whatever they're doing or whatever it is you have while you're listening to your desire they still find a way to maybe slut shame others or mm. be like oh why have you got that on your profile oh or, or like yeah you could i'll fuck him but then in a gay bar i'll be like oh my god his profile has got like he's on prep and he loves taking loads you know, there's all these kind of, I think sometimes it is, it's very like down to you as a person and like coming back to your friend, we all have moments of clarity and it depends how self-aware we truly are. I have friends who are positive and because of the who they are, they have been able to accept that diagnosis and they've moved on with their life. You have to think about where you are and what you're doing in your life. Are you acting out? If you're acting out or you're not in a good place, if you're, if maybe your self-worth is not how it is, mm-hmm. could is you, is you, yeah, the diagnosis will not be the end of the world, but are you going to then, is it going to add to maybe shame or how you, are you going to blame yourself, how you feel about yourself? Is it going to send you more? I'm not saying that's for everybody, but, you know, I knew I knew if I if I got positive by the way mm-hmm. my behavior is, it's going to mess with my head. Not because I am positive, but because of how, how my state of mind is. I I knew I was like I, I I begged to be on the trial. I was open. I'd be like, if I'm not on this, I'm going to be. And you know, sometimes the nurses would be like, okay. Um, but I'm glad. I'm grateful for that kind of. I'm grateful that. 
I was very fortunate to be able to have that. Like, also, just like when you when I mentioned the chem sex thing, I, I just want to make clarify that prep is not always in relation to chem sex. There are sexually active people that are not doing drugs or on high. Okay, so I want to make that kind of clear. Yes, it's a more hypersexual situation. Uh, judgments can be askew. You may well things up, but at the end of the day, I feel like you can still carry maybe a bit of delusion or denial about uh, your sexual health if you're mm. so, if you're conducting yourself sober. You know, kink, whatever you're into. You know that it's not. They don't always go hand in hand either, which I think is some guys need to think too. Well, I'm I'm not. I'm not single and off my face having sex with guys. So I couldn't possibly, I'm fine, you know? <clears throat> Which uh, some of you fucking queens need to get fucking over yourself, if you ask me. But anyway, that's there's, there's, there's a lot of points in there. Um, I, I'm trying to make sure I have, like, there was like five or six things that I need to reply to, but I'm trying to remember them all. <laughs> I know that the first, the first one was, what's wrong with the word regional? Okay, so, okay, there's nothing wrong with the word regional. Yeah. But, but I, I think other cities are catching up, and that is perfectly down to the sexual health clinics that we have, and it's probably a generational thing. But mm -hmm. there are still, uh, in my op opinion, there, are, there is still room for people to um for people to think you know like maybe people in other places be like oh yeah london's crazy everyone has loads of sex in london so yeah i guess, but I guess everybody's on prep down in london and you're like look you just because you don't live there you know you still need to you can still carry yourself with the same attitude you don't need to have sex with 12 people to be exposed that was actually one of my points. And like during that, I was trying to make write down some of the points. But that was, that's the thing is that prep, it like you can, uh, oh, I, I just thought the other one. So you can have sex with one person one time and get HIV. That doesn't mean that you're a slut. That doesn't mean that you're a bad person. That doesn't mean anything negative, but um, it, can just, it can just happen once. And also like there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of people that get HIV whilst they believe they're in monogamous relationships. So are those people sluts or are the people that they're in relationships sluts? What's that about? Um, the stuff around London is that the, we have issues within HIV and sexual health in the sense of London can be quite, um, sexual health services can be quite solid here in London. And like uh, the focus can be quite tight in London. And we also have like a really, basically there's a lot of gay men in London. There's yeah. a lot of gay, bi, queer, trans men in London. Mm. So um, a lot of the sexual health stuff is like concentrated here. And the, I think the awareness is, is a lot different because of the amount of, the amount of queer community that is here in the city. Um, as for the, the, the generation, it, was, it can be like the, the generation after mine. I don't think they, they think about what it might actually be like to be living with HIV. And I think because they have less experiences of that, because let's say um, men in, I would say overall, 
men in their obviously men in their fifties, men in their forties, men in their thirties, they will know other men that are living with HIV. Yeah. But I feel like besides this recent trend, men in their the let's say not so much twenties, but their early twenties or their teenage years are less likely to know someone that is HIV positive, and they're less likely to understand that experience. Um, as for um, what you were saying about uh, um, you were saying about like you know people that may need to like get some help or they they may be in trouble or you know things like that. I was thinking that it, you're you're right, but they could also not be aware of that. It could be something that's subconscious. They could be doing things that are really dangerous to their yeah. health and to their sexual health, but then thinking that um, thinking that they're fine or they're not understanding that they have maybe some deeper issues. I also think that. HIV has always been that, like, that kind of, it's always been in the room with, with queer men as they've had sex. Whether, whether or not they were, like, prior to PrEP, whether they're using a condom or not, like, you always think you're conscious of this could potentially end in me getting HIV. Whether you talk, whether you bought me, it's just it kind of always in the back of your mind. Yeah. And the thing about PrEP is that it actually, we don't talk about, and some research has come out about it, but we don't talk about how, beneficial it is for your mental health because you remove that stress and anxiety about possibly getting hiv yeah. but then you also think of the sex that you're having being deemed as just as valid or regular as normal as what straight sex like when a man and a woman have sex without condom it's not condomless sex it's not unprotected sex it's sex mm -hmm. the the woman might get she could get pregnant but she'll she can go on the pill but when it comes to gay men it's like, even if there's no risk of HIV, there's still this, this kind of this connotation of having condomless sex is still dirty or it's still wrong. Yeah. But then all of that, that stigma kind of is, we put onto each other and it's, it's just not good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Like sometimes like, yeah, that, that stigma, the stigmas that we can place say on on each other and you're right there are some people that think they're in monogamous relationships uh well that's a whole other episode that is. that's a whole other episode oh, to be um so um a colleague of mine uses this phrase which is marriage is not a condom yeah preach it's just 50 percent of everything they own <laughs> that's what it is um so yeah that's that, that's some really good points and like yeah what you're saying when i was talking about I'm, I can only talk from personal experience. I get hindsight is a fine thing. Plenty of different therapies and the odd breakdown here and there have made me be able to maybe speak on, on that. And I guess maybe sometimes just being a bit more, say, open about that. I don't want people to think that I'm saying, look, maybe you're throwing yourself around because you're, you know, you've got PTSD about how your mummy talked to you or something. I don't know. Yeah, but I think sometimes we're not always conscious of the trauma or how we self soothing It's true. It's true. And um, yeah, and, and, and like these, and I think sometimes the way that we act uh, sexually and stuff, it, it's strange, you know, that, that level between validation and, you know, being sexually active and, and stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you think, do you think the apps have played, what role do, do you think the apps take enough responsibility maybe using their platforms to ensure that the people that are on there have access to information they may well not know um do you mm. 
What do you think about that? Well, I'm kind of up and down about this because our organization has worked with Grinder yeah. and has worked with Tinder. Right. Um, but I feel like they could do. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not because we've worked with you guys. I'm not talking about you specifically. But overall, yeah. I feel like the apps have more of a responsibility to do more for the people that use them, and I think not just in the the, the case of health, but in, in other aspects. I feel like if if it's a dating app and if people are having sex on it, then it's within like the people that work there to ensure that the information is is reaching those people. We've we've like done like blast messages and we've like whenever there's something huge like when um prep was available in NHS we we did some work around that we did a lot of stuff around um we did that with Grinder um during COVID like in early COVID we did a lot of work uh, around um in, in the first lockdown around um how to manage COVID and sex because everyone in the country well all the sexual health organizations were saying don't have sex just have a wank and. I mean, if it didn't work with the AIDS epidemic, I don't think that's going to necessarily work now. And also it didn't factor in things like loneliness or connection or longing or um, just feeling good or pleasure or anything like that. Or the fact that people are going to have sex, whether you like it or not. Like in the <laughs> early lockdown, it was like, you shouldn't have sex. And like, I felt like we were all on the same page, but it was like, I felt like, I can't remember which country it was, but one country was like, just find a fuck buddy and just stick with that person. Mm. But the, the government guidelines from, were well, basically what sex became illegal, at, casual sex became illegal at one point. Um, and then it was only like January this year that we actually reviewed that again. And people have been having sex from before, from before the pandemic and we'll have sex long after and we're having it during and like, what information were we providing those people? Like that was really important, but we did a lot of work through Hornet. Um, I think that a lot of, uh, I feel like they should do more and they should use their platforms to spread that information and that awareness because it just makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I kind of agree with you. I also think like, uh, yeah, look at where you're, you know, it's in the pandemic, but, you know, look where you're looking to get, where you'll get looking to hook up, you know? It's not mm -hmm. a big deal if, if you think, oh, or like, you know, I don't feel great when I'm using Grinder or the way the guys talk to me and stuff, you know, delete it, have a break. Mm. But, you know, back off, you know, boundaries. Boundaries can still exist in when you type things out and you still... But I know. And gay Twitter loved looking at who was having sex over the pandemic as well. <laughs> they, 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 were well, they were well involved. And actually, I have to admit, I, I, yeah, I've said, I've said this before. I've got, I, I'm planning a gay Twitter episode, but I'm probably going to fall out of everybody. Wait, what's happened in the gay Twitter episode? I want to be on that one. I, well, I'm, should I do a panel? Oh, you should do a panel of Twitter gays. That would be hilarious. I'll do a panel on gay Twitter and I might look at certain uh, certain events that happened on gay Twitter and we can review them. Like the Oh my God, that would be incredible. Oh, I've just let it out. Like the cancellation of um, and stuff like that. I don't know. But yeah, I, yeah, I guess, you know, I'm going off on a tangent, but good point. So, um, We'll come back after this break because when we come back, I just want to ask you a couple of questions, a couple more debunk, a couple more myths. 
tried to pronounce my THs there. My dog's gone so far. We're back after this. Okay, we are back. We have um, reset. And so, uh, Phil, why you, we're going to do, we, well, so we're going to debunk some myths. Uh, testing, how easy, you know, talk about testing. Uh, what did the, what did the children need to know? <laughs> the children need to know that HIV and STI testing is free. It's free, um, it's confidential and like it's private. So like no one is going to like know your results. Um, I think that there's been a surge of people ordering tests online. So there, there are ways you can order tests online. So yep. um, look into that. If you don't want to do it in the clinic, don't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's becoming more, more, more uh, common. And like, I, I would just want to say that don't be afraid to test. I think um, people are scared of what the results will be, but I think it'll be, be it'll be so much beneficial for you overall for your health and for your for your physical and your your for your physical, your mental and your sexual health. If you just get tested and get your results, no matter what they are, and you will get the support that you need. Yeah, you even shoved the cotton wool up your own bum hole now. Yes, <laughs> like I'm in. Like there we are. So you don't need to worry. No one's going to like bend over. They don't even bother with that now. It's do it yourself. You get yourself in position, whack it up, and snap it off in that test tube and pack it off. Um, and yeah, the, the uh, you can have rapid testing now, can't you? And what just to be careful, a rapid test covers you in your window, but it's still good to get your bloods done too, isn't it? Um, it's um, they all work a bit differently. Yeah. So um, um, ideally, you'd want to get um, you want to be tested. Um, like in a clinic because um the the windows are smaller but some of the because um there's two different types there's self-sampling and the self-testing so self-testing would be like you get the results there and then and self-sampling would be um i guess the the internet kind of um ordering in which you post it off and get different results and they all have different windows for how long so yeah this i think it's not just about testing it's about testing regularly yeah how regular? What? What? I, I thought it's twelve weeks, three months. That's um. I'll, okay, so we say that the uh, guidelines say every three months if yeah. you are having frequent sex, but I, I think like, if it depends from person to person, mm -hmm. I think it's a guideline is actually three every three to six months, depending on how much sex that you have, which isn't yeah. clear. But um, I test pretty frequently because um, just in case, I guess. I test on, on a, like a monthly basis because um, if I'm not always using condoms, then I, I may be like, I may get an STI. Yeah, good point. Good point there. Um, so, yeah, at the moment I'm every three months. But there, yeah, every three months. And then also, uh, if you get a message of someone, <laughs> if you get, or that, if you get a message, if you get like a partner <laughs> notification, so if you get a message from a clinic saying someone has informed them that you may have been at risk of STI, oh, I'm really I've never looking, gotten one of those. No, I'm such a gentleman. I've actually, I've actually, I get a personal message like, "Hi, how are you?" <laughs> I always, yeah, I always do like the damage control myself. Like I always do that. Yeah, um, yeah, and I've been like, okay, thanks, let me know. Um, which has always been lovely. And then I know, I know if there are, I know how they, I know what, I always judge the, the state that maybe the mood the guy's in, because if it's WhatsApp, 
his picture will be there. And then after he's told me his picture disappears. So I know that he's probably had to like message or tell a few people. And then he's literally, <laughs> literally like, delete, 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 delete. Wait, if this picture's deleted, that means he's blocked you. Exactly, babe. Because he's been like, hi, person one. Oh, yeah, I got it. You're like, thanks. Then he moves on to the next Yeah, but person. the thing is, like, I don't know why there's all this like weirdness around it. Because if you're going to have casual sex, it's like part of the game. That's what, what happens. If you have casual sex, especially if you have casual sex with lots of people, you're then more likely to get an STI. It's not a big deal, which you can get tested and treated for. I don't know why, like, there's this whole, like, weirdness about it, especially if, like, like, say, for example, it's like if if you sleep with someone that you don't know, you barely know, but you have sex, and then um, if you give them an STI, how can they be weird about it when it's like, I don't know you. Like, you didn't know me. We just had sex. So it, it, that's, like, I don't know. There's so much stigma around STIs still. Are you, are you hinting that every gay man knows how to operate in the world? Like, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm just talking about, you know, being someone, like, being a gay man that lives in London and that works in HIV and sexual yeah. health. I've seen some things and I've heard some things. Oh, I've, I've seen a lot of things. <laughs> and, uh, sure, yeah. yeah yeah and and actually and that and that is the point as well that which always ama- amazes me as well is like i say like one of my important favorite phrases is know thyself i don't mm-hmm. completely know myself i'm not pretty but usually when it came to sometimes i'd just be like you know like you say why are you uh where's the disconnect in your own uh you know your own your own self if you were railroading for four days last weekend why this weekend are you like, oh, good, I, I've got, I'm not very, I've got to tell you that I've been diagnosed. You're like, okay. Yeah, keep but that same like, energy. Yeah, you've got to like, you know, but anyway, so, so yes, we go off the back of that. So you get a message from someone and, and you're not on prep. What, uh, what else can you do? So you're not on prep. Uh, talk about the other, uh, the other, what is it? Would we call it a service? Do I call it a service? Go ahead. What else? Can which, which part? Uh, so um, you've got a message. Someone has, uh, and you, they're saying, look, um, I need to let you know that maybe I've just tested positive or blah, 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 blah. Uh, or maybe you were conducting yourself. You you might realize when you've come away from having some sexual activity. Okay, I might be at risk. What can I go and do? I'm not taking prep. Do you, what other services are available to someone? Um, so I think um, also another misconception is that basically there's nothing there. There, there are no services, but there are. Okay. So um, uh, off the top of my head, uh, positively UK do one of the biggest um, like uh, peer-to-peer like mentorships. So it's uh, people that are living with HIV that have for some time that then um, you know mentor people that are newly diagnosed. Right. And like, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of um, peer mentorship when it comes to people, when it comes to people that are recently diagnosed. And I think it's it's so important to be, um, to find that because I think you're you're being mentored by someone that understands exactly what you're going through and that has done it already. And that has come out on the other side. And no no one is going to understand what it's like to live with HIV more than someone who is living with HIV. That's good. That's really interesting to know. I will, will. That's really and God, those people. Do you know what those people that do that that want to be a peer? That's so. That's so kind. That's just so nice mm. to want to give that back to the community. And then talk about okay. 
PEP. I've been on PEP before, before I could take PrEP. I, it was after one new year. I had a very exciting time. <laughs> Came home about five I'm going to ask you about the exciting time. <laughs> well, it was... Let's just say the word chariots was involved. It was a very long time ago. Okay, okay. Very much. Uh, when it was in its heyday. And I came home and I was like, okay, shit, I need to... Uh, you haven't actually, you haven't said what pep is. You explain it. No, no, no. Okay, so, <laughs> I, yeah. So basically I was like, okay, uh, I need to, I'm still within a window. It, uh, it, it was 72 hours, within 72 hours of the event. And I knew that I was like, okay, I need to go get some pep. Um, can you, and I went to A&E to get it actually, I think. Yeah, no, so, no, um, no, I didn't, no, hold up. Sorry, too choked. So I went and got tested straight away. Due to the state of my body at the time, which, because I, I was coming off the back of that bender, I actually tested, uh, it was, uh, oh, what's it? What is it when it's not inconclusive? Oh shit. So I came, yeah, straight away, inconclusive, absolutely shit myself, didn't know what to do. And then I had to get put on to PEP. So uh, PEP, and that's a PEP, P-E-P. Can you just explain to the, I'm gonna say the children again, to the children, what the PEP children. is? So um, I guess uh, PEP stands for post-exposure prophylaxis. Mm -hmm. And it's what it's the drug you take um, after you've, you've may have been at risk of um, acquiring HIV. Um, you get it from sexual health clinics on a Monday to Friday, or if they are closed, um, you can get it from um, accident and emergency. Um, now, at the moment, it's a lot more difficult to get to access PEP because um, because uh, the likelihood, like um, the likelihood of knowing that you've been properly knowing that you've been at risk is a lot lower nowadays but the thing is is that i think a lot of people don't know that it exists or that it's available um so uh they'll ask you you'll be asked a lot of questions about like um the risk and um based on that you you may be given um 28 days worth of pills um not initially but they'll give you it in different stages and you you take that every day and you refrain from sex and it's it's highly likely to prevent you from getting HIV if you take it within 72 hours. Um, the closer to the, the time of the event, the, the more likely it is to work. Yeah. And also whilst I'm, I'm kind of doing the, 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 um, the explanations, um, PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. So it's, it's what you take before and after sex. PEP is for um, after you've been at risk. Okay. So if you are not on PrEP and you are maybe concerned or, uh, you know, or, you know, you come out of the uh, other end of the woods and you think, right, th that service is also available and you could go to Amy to get that as well, mm -hmm. which I think is what some people need to, is good to know as well. Um, yes. And also there are different ways that you can take PrEP back on prep now can you explain <laughs> can you explain what uh what the differences are the different ways to take it so like i take it every day mm -hmm. partly because that's what i have to do as the trial that I'm, i am on 
Okay. And I know other people that take it maybe as and when they know they're about to have a right good shag. (laughs) (laughs) So um, explain about that to people. So um, I guess there are two main ways to take it. There there are several, there there are other bits and pieces and there are ways, but the two main ways are, like you said, uh, to take it daily, to take in, um, uh, you know, one pill every day, which is kind of what I do. And I think um, that way works better if you are, if you may be a bit spontaneous and you may just be like, do you know what? I feel like having some dick today. Like if you're, if you're like, I feel like you're that kind of person then maybe you should just take it every day. Oh, God. We've all been there. But like, you know, but I feel like I know people that are more um, organized and scheduled. I find it strange, but some people are more organized and scheduled with their sex and they know exactly when they're due, when they're going to have it. Yeah. So um, basically um, the other way to take it is on demand or it's also called event-based dosing. So you take two pills, uh, two to 24 hours before sex, one pill 24 hours after that, and then take one more pill 24 hours after that. And right. um, I guess if you're having sex for like a, a period, a, a longer period of time and over a few days or a weekend, to uh, continue to take a pill every 24 hours until you have two sex-free days. Um, so for example, look, sometimes a lot of uh, porn stars operate like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may schedule it. Um, I have come across people that schedule it. Okay, so would you... Um, if you turn up and you're going to hook up or like you say and maybe you don't have any prep is it wise for you to accept prep off the person you might be hooking up with say if you're going for a long intimate weekend or maybe like you said you are being incredibly spontaneous and the guy that you hook up with is like hey look I've got some here you go let's go wild Woo-hoo. would you I don't know <laughs> I don't know that's that's I, I, it's hard because on the one hand they're trying to be responsible, mm. but on the other part on the other hand you don't know this man and what what drugs he might be giving you. Do you know what I mean? So mm. I, I don't know how to I don't know if I'm for it or against it. Yeah, again, if it's, gen, yeah. If it's genuine prep, then I'm all for like you know sharing this, carrying <laughs> that. But like when you like why a why don't you have your own prep and b you don't know this man. Yeah. So again, know thyself, know thyself. Yes. But I guess, yeah, if you've got a fuck buddy or it's someone that you know kind of well and you both, but I guess if, if you're operating like that, it's probably already a relationship you may already have or a bit of an agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, I only, I only ask that because I've, wit- I've witnessed that I've witnessed, I've been in a room and guys turn up and then I've seen, other, you know, yeah, I've seen other, I, well, actually I've hooked up with guys, um, and you know they might oh god my check had passed so yes i've hooked up with some guys and they might be you know honestly they might well be they're having a lovely weekend and it's like the sunday afternoon and by the time they get come and hook up with me god it sounds terrible but it's you know and then if i hook up with them on the sunday and if in all honesty and transparency if they've been hooking up friday night saturday night they're out they might not even be from the city that they're in mm. you know i've had that before where i've gone look do you want to you can have one of my tablets if you want and here's one tablet. yeah but it's, it's it's different because i know you yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying do that. I'm not saying do it, but I'm going just explaining 
we yeah, I get it. I, like, I'm for it. It's just, it's just that you don't know that person. That's yeah, it. yeah. So yeah, okay. So it's fine to ask for a toothbrush. It's okay to ask to have a shower and borrow a towel. But if you're going around and part of your grinder conversation or your scruff convo is, have you got any prep at home? Maybe you need to ask yourself where. Why haven't you got your own prep? And yeah, I always find it odd that some people will be comfortable having sex with a complete stranger that they've met on the internet. Yeah. But then they feel they're comfortable with that. But then they're uncomfortable with asking someone when they last got a test. Yeah. I just personally, that's maybe it's just me, but I find that odd because I feel like. I don't know, having sex with someone that you don't know is a lot more intimate and like, I don't know, it's just, it's not, it's not as awkward as people make it out to be. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I don't think you should ever be upset or offended if someone asks you to send proof of your results either. Yeah. I've done because, that, yeah, I think I've done that with, done that with guys before and yeah. Because like I said earlier, upset. it's always, oh, I got tested last week or I got tested last month. Yeah. But okay, it's gonna see the receipts. Yeah, show me the receipts. Yeah, that's true. Also, yeah. Okay, so there's different ways to take. By the way, sideline there. I'm not telling anyone to do what I just said, but um, again, I've just got an insight sometimes into sometimes these. You know, we like you say, we can find ourselves. We can find ourselves in the middle of a very adventurous weekend. You might not know what you're doing, or you could be bouncing around like a pinball machine around southeast London, having a lovely time, and uh, you know, just got to look after yourself. So that's good. Um, okay, so prep—it's not just for gay men, yeah? No. See, I think um, that's kind of where we went a little bit wrong, um, because obviously. Uh, HIV and AIDS have been like for decades have been something that have uh, you know uh, gay men have been one of the biggest demographics that have been affected by HIV and AIDS for the, since the beginning of the the epidemic. Yeah. Um, when prep became was coming out, it was kind of advertised as a gay lifestyle drug. Mm -hmm. And in general, I hate the word lifestyle when it comes to anything gay because what they mean by lifestyle is anal, literally. Honestly, like if, if <laughs> we have this conversation at work, but I'm not going to get into all of that. But like, yeah, so I think it was advertised as a gay drug. Mm -hmm. And like, why should the NHS feel like, um, you know, pay for a gay drug? But the thing is, like yeah. it affects HIV, affects trans men, women and non-binary people. Mm -hmm. It affects, um, you know, uh, migrants. It affects um it affects sex workers, it affects all different, it, it can even affect, you know, black African men and women. Mm -hmm. So like, I, I feel like because it was advertised for one group, it didn't have this, it, it didn't have the same impact that it should have had very initial, like in, in the initial stages. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really important that everyone know about PrEP. And I remember um, a couple of years back, someone said something like, if straight people don't know about PrEP, and like there's, there's I guess, prime, there's, maybe more straight people than there are queer people, then if that's not in the mainstream, then how are people in like that are like in smaller groups or small, smaller cohorts gonna understand, gonna know about it? Yeah, and so, um, so 
yes how do you how do we how do you kind of how do we break down that 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 stigma then you know is that really is that that's what you do is that is that house within the 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 clinics themselves because even now what we've been talking about and from my sense i'm a you know as a gay man i the, the situations i've been presenting you with are very much uh a gay male experience or whatever. Yeah. So it's 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 interesting to talk about uh th- this as well. So how do you how do you feel like we can break down those barriers for these other demographics and break down that kind of that stigma there? Because it, it 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 kind of feels like those other demographics, the argument they've got is well that's a it's, that's a it's that's for gay men. It's not just mm. for gay men. Like how do we, what work can we do? I think more open and honest conversations about being on PrEP. Mm. Because what was funny is that like, I found um, some research came out from um, the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine um, from a friend of mine, um, Charlie Witzel. And um, he did some research and it was primarily on um, black women um, and the, 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 the barriers to accessing PrEP in London. And it was like a lot of them actually wanted to be on PrEP but they didn't want to be judged for it. Right. So they were just taking PrEP in secret, for example. So that like they weren't having conversations with their friends about PrEP, making it more of an open thing. They were just doing it um, on the slide because they didn't want it to be judged for possibly not using condoms. So I think like it's, it's all about being, is that. But then it's, it's just in general being more vocal because I think some people, there's a lot of people that take PrEP kind of, there's a lot of people that take PrEP and they don't talk about it. Like you're not very vocal about it, and it's like like having conversations about that. It's sort of similar to what we, like you know the situation with the COVID vaccine, and in, initially when it was like released, everyone was like, "Oh, I don't know about that." But then oh, I wasn't. more people, huh? <laughs> I wasn't. I was like, "Jab me up." <laughs> I I was. I, I mean, I've been double vaccinated now, but when it first came about, when I, I was like, "I'm not sure about this. It feels too quick," but like. We've seen like there's been, we've had a massive massive uptake in this country, but I think because of the conversations that we've had with other people about taking it, about having to go on like we won't be able to go anywhere, we won't be able to go on holiday, or about you know people taking pictures and then think like saying oh it's okay, people being more open and honest about their side effects and stuff like that. And if we had that same sort of energy towards prep, mm-hmm. then people feel more comfortable talking about it and taking it, and, like talking to other people about it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I guess, and I guess the the lack of focus that it gets, like you said, from the mainstream, it enables the mainstream to still be able to label this as an issue for minorities. Yeah. Oh, it's just a gay thing, or it's just for the queer community, or it's just for, you know, uh, like you said, the like the other communities. Oh, it's just something that affects them, and it doesn't affect mm-hmm. us, like you say. Um, Look, and, and look, I'll, to be completely clear, which is ridiculous, in my experience, I've come across guys who are not out, doing the do, doing the thing, you know, don't ask, not bothered, you're here for one thing, but I don't know what you've got going on at home or where you're conducting yourself or yeah. where you are or where you take yourself afterwards, um, which, yeah, I, which I think is, I've got, you know, I'm not afraid, I'm not, I shouldn't be, I'm not ashamed to admit that. But again, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's easy for someone to dip into 
a lifestyle or dip into a world they don't know and then they step out and they go back to their mainstream white picket fence pretending everything's absolutely fine but you know as and when they can they're are you, are you talking about men that are behaviorally bisexual well no 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 is that what we call it behaviorally like we have i don't know why in, in hiv sexual we have so many like scientific terms it's, it's like that's not even the actual one i can find it i might do it later but it's something like it, it's like it's like there's like four words to describe it and it's really ridiculous well i would call it well in america you'd call it uh would you call it uh well Almost shouted, um, okay. garage. So, do you know that song dl you on on so online you might see someone describe themselves as dl yeah discreet um and obviously this works both ways as well by the way i'm not just obviously i only see men or or male presenting people or what say that on apps i imagine it is exactly the same flip side there will be you know people of the other genders that could be will be doing exactly the same thing you know or whatever mm -hmm. yeah um so like i say they they come into and the apps for me just like say if you go dogging or cottaging or something that it's a secret so if you're operating in an inverted commas it undercover secretly mm -hmm. and then the life you go back to is more mainstream it doesn't negate the behavior you're doing undercover does it yeah so I what's, agree. The, what's the what's the correct term for this what's the scientific term for this individual <laughs> Um, what the, the bisexual? I don't want to say the bisexual because I've got nothing against bi. I've got I, I don't know. I don't know about like overall. I was just talking about. Um, I know we're seeing. Um, there's a surge. I, I know we're talking mostly about prep, but I know there's a there's a massive, massive surge of syphilis like everywhere. Like syphilis. Yes, is, I've, I've heard that. Yeah. So um, basically, what um, through um, some studies through. Uh, Public Health England is what they're, they're seeing is that it's starting to become, it's starting to cross over. So it was rising amongst gay men, but there are some bisexual men that are sleeping with men and women. So it's actually, and then it's also going up amongst straight men, uh, straight, straight men and women. So um, there, there may be a link between bisexual men that are sleeping with men and women and a kind of the crossover, pretty much. Yeah, I think. You have to describe what you're doing. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm just like, doing, I'm doing a cock destroyer. <laughs> Trust me, there's a fucking link. Trust me, there's a link. <laughs> like, um, so, but uh, yes, and actually, I just want to, now you've mentioned about syphilis. God, I'm being so candid here. I have been very lucky. I've had guys message me in the past and gone, hey, look, I've just been diagnosed with syphilis or someone's told me and I had to go and get the injection. And so, you know, now it used to be they didn't put any anesthetic in that injection and it's a big fucking injection. And actually, I remember we went to go get the injection. I said to my housemate at the time, I said, oh, God, I've got to go get the fucking jab for syphilis. And he went, babe, it really fucking hurts. And I was like, what? Because your legs will go on fire. I was like, great. In the bum. But now they do put a general anesthetic. They put a local anesthetic in the injection. So do not be afraid. And I would say, if you do get a message and someone is cut, like doing the right thing and tells you heads up blah 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 just go get the fat fucking jab go get it um yeah because the thing with syphilis is that it can be spread so easily like it can, it can be spread through body contact you can hug someone and get syphilis you can finger someone and get syphilis so 
if you have it, you need to, I'm dead serious. Um, we have a case study where that actually happened on the long time no syphilis website. So yes, uh, that actually happened to someone that we know and um, you can read about it. But um, yeah. Uh, wow, um, I, I, I'm just happy we got the word fingered in on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, we've, we've covered a lot of ground today. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm happy you've been really open as well. Well, I think I think you have. I think it's easy. It's easy to be. I, I'm, you know, like it. Especially, I think sometimes if you, it's sometimes an, it's impossible for people. What especially like there's so many layers to it. You know, you can be sexually active, prom, promiscuous if you want to call it that, um, and then you're trying to date. It sometimes it's beyond me how sometimes people when you're on a date with them literally in that moment they want you to talk like you're a disney princess you've never been touched by a hand a man before you've turned up you're wearing a fucking chastity belt you're like <laughs> you know it's yeah the, it's this dichotomy and you're like may no like you know or even i've heard it before where they'll be like uh you know i've heard it before but i might have been at a a group event and there'll be a guy there and he'll be whinging about his boyfriend while he's in a room with guys having sex with them and he'll be like my fucking boyfriend he's doing wedding and you're like well where's your boyfriend he goes, he's he's at another party and you're like so you're oh both God. at separate sex parties and, so and, and, and then i'll be like where did you meet him and he'd be like i met him at a sex party <laughs> and literally I, I just sat there like okay and they'd be like i'm i'm really angry i'll be like right you know but that's usually been my history with these events i can't i can i've got no poker face i usually i've been kicked out of sex parties before by playing music changing the uh changing the playlist um so funny that, that sorry that's so funny um was it goes loud uh yeah all fired up by the saturdays <laughs> literally i'm like get this shit off fucking circuit party bullshit like honestly um okay i yeah uh, yeah uh but yes it's it's again it's being able to talk openly about this we all have a past i at the moment i'm going through this thing where i completely um re-identify my whole sexual identity and stuff um but at the same time it's been and i will say in relation to what you do the lucky thing i've had with that is because of me taking prep i feel like even now where i am now the one thing i haven't had to ever worry about well i have before i was taking prep well, like you said one thing to do with your mental health is i've took at least one part of mm. the the struggle of being yeah, in our community the, the, out of it. What, what's really interesting is that like um this whole this whole I should have said this earlier, but this whole theory that if you're on prep, it just makes you this massive slut is really funny because like a lot of the time you have it if you speak to a lot of people that are on prep, if you ask them, if it particularly queer men, if you ask them like when you started taking prep, was you actually fucking around? And like most of the time they say, do you know what? I actually stopped having sex. I started taking prep and I stopped having sex. Like it, it almost, it, it almost always happened. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because you then start to rethink your relationship with sex. And then because you're, you're not putting yourself at risk anymore, you then start to think of sex differently. And like, 
do I want to have sex with this person? Is this healthy for me? Is this good? And that happens a lot of the time. And that goes into it. And one other thing that kind of came to mind as you were speaking was that when we were talking about the different demographics that are affected by HIV, if there was a situation, if HIV affected cis white men in this country, we would have had it on the NHS in 2012, realistically. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Like, it's a completely separate uh, comparison, but I remember, uh, I can't remember who it was. I don't know if it was Boy George said it or George Michael. It might have been one of the others. Talking about dogging or cottaging. Mm-hmm. And the, compa- the comparison, it probably isn't so great now, maybe with, well, no, it isn't, because if it's all consensual, it's fine. The, the comparison was there. If straight men knew there was a woodland area where there were women who literally wanted to get banged left, right, and center up against the tree on the bonnet of the car, whatever. No questions asked. The, the queue would be down the fucking M1, you know? And that is the truth. That's the truth. But obviously straight people do it differently. I don't know if you ever saw that documentary on Channel 4 where they go dogging. Have you seen? Um, I, know, I heard of it, but I didn't watch and it. And, and it's all got night cam and they're like wearing yeah. dodgy masks. It shit. just looked really weird to me. I was like, I don't want to watch that, please. And no, but it is funny. Like she's getting, she's like, oh, in the back of the fucking Fiat Punto. She's got a fucking <laughs> rabbit mask on. And they're, they're all just knobbing their fucking, they're all like, oh. God. <laughs> which, which at the end of the day is fine, but that's what I mean. It's, uh, yeah, it's, um, like you said, if it was affecting certain other areas. Yeah, so there we go. Some important things. Also, if anyone ever makes you, makes you comes across and trying to hook up, makes you feel weird for taking prep, is asking, makes you feel uncomfortable, blah, 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 fuck them off. Don't fucking waste your yes. time on them. Doesn't matter they how... Don't deserve, no. They don't deserve access to you. Exactly, and that's an important thing as well. And, um, you know... Don't be a, you know, we try and, and we've just got to be kind, kind, be kind to each other. I've become that person then. And be kind so, to yourself. Yeah. Which actually is the first stage of then being nice to other people. Yes. Which explains a lot of the reason why gay Twitter is so problematic. So. Oh. Only kidding. Love you all. Do you know where your boyfriend was last night? Because no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm just starting rumours. Right. So, Phil, thank you so much. Um, we will put all of your link. We will put the links and everything. Just say, where can everyone find you? What is your Twitter and Instagram handle? Um, they're both um, idiosyncratic XL. Please use that in a sentence. No, I'm joking. Like, oh, God. Right. Actually, I could. Okay, go on then. Actually, it's pretty easy because the reason why I used it is because I am... Um, idiosyncratic what is that it means like unique and peculiar and specifically that person i i chose it because i feel like i don't i feel like there's only one me well not now you've had two vaccines i don't know if there's a little test tube like in barking in essex is growing a little phil <laughs> i like i like i like being different you know i like being uh unique i like being i feel like even physically being six foot five having dreads being queer being west african being as open about so many things in my life i don't i feel like it's rare to to come across that 
and also the fact that I was born here, but I grew up in the West African culture and I, I connect with a lot of people, but I still feel like my viewpoint is very different to other people around me and around my age. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I believe that I am idiosyncratic. I, your description of yourself, many abasements have just flooded. <laughs> and when you, and I'm when not you, undone. And, <laughs> and, and when you check fill out uh, online, but be respectful, don't be disgusting. Uh, well, Phil, thank you so much. Um, I'm so happy to have had managed to have you on here and um, yeah, we'll leave it there. The rest of our Sunday is going to carry on. Um, mm -hmm. Please check out Phil and check out Team Prepster. Um, you know, they're doing an amazing job and um, everyone have a lovely time. Say bye, Phil. Bye. Thank you for having me. He was meant to say bye, Phil. That's the point. Don't worry. Wait, I'm supposed to say bye. Bye, Phil. Oh, don't worry about it. We've lost it. Okay. See you later, everyone. Bye.